May mercy and grace and peace be yours from God our Father through his promised Son and by the Holy Spirit. Amen. Fifty years ago, I was finishing my junior year of high school up in Michigan. I know it sounds as though I'm boasting, but I'm quite sure that my class at St. John's High School invented the chant, we've got spirit, yes we do, we've got spirit, how about you? If you also learned it, it was because we did it first. We would chant it across the gymnasium, taunting the fans from Waverly or Grand Ledge or Ionia or Ovid Elsie at a basketball game. That's one form of spirit, but that's not the Pentecost form. Today is the whooshing of wind, the flicker of flames, the strong voice of uneducated but unashamed Galileans proclaiming the gospel in languages they had never studied. It is the celebration of spirit-breathed faith in 3,000 new followers of Christ. And on this Today, which is our Pentecost, the scriptures before us compel us to ask, who gets the Holy Spirit and who can prophesy? May that same Holy Spirit give us attentive ears, expectant hearts and minds to hear the good news in Numbers 11 and in Acts 2 and in John 7. People God dearly loves. Who gets the Holy Spirit? In today's Old Testament reading, the answer is 70 Israelite elders selected while the tribes are wandering their way from Egypt toward the promised land. Moses led these men outside the camp to surround the tabernacle, the tent of worship. And the Lord came down in a cloud spoke to Moses and took some of the Ruach, the spirit that was on Moses, and distributed on 68 of the men who were standing there and on two of them who stayed in the camp. Just as we don't know why the disciple Thomas wasn't present in the upper room on Easter night, so we don't know why Eldad and Medad didn't join the other elders around the worship tent. Perhaps they had to deal with some elder business, taking care of a dispute or caring for someone who was hurting. But the second question must follow the first. Who can prophesy? And in Numbers 11, the answer is clear. Those who have the Holy Spirit. The elders gathered at the tent prophesied but only on this one occasion. So did the two men still in the camp, which caused concerns. Quickly, someone ran and told Moses, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp, which compels Joshua, Moses' young assistant, to say, do something, Moses, stop them. But Joshua learned something. So do the 70 elders, so do all the Israelites, so do we. 
Don't be jealous for my sake, Moses replies to Joshua. There is nothing wrong with what Eldad and Medad are doing and where they're doing it. And then he adds, would that all Yahweh's people were prophets. Would that Yahweh would put his spirit on all of them. The commotion settled down. The elders and Moses and the reporter and Joshua, son of Nun, return to the camp. Who gets the spirit? Those God chooses. And who prophesies? Those given the Holy Spirit. To keep matters in chronological order, consider with me now today's three-verse gospel reading. And the reason it's in chronological order is because this event happens about eight months before the Pentecost festival in Acts chapter 2. It's the last day of the Feast of Booths, and Jesus cries out, Parched people, come to me. I have water, living water, to quench your thirst. Then John tells us that Jesus uses this language to promise the Holy Spirit. The spirit those who believed in him were to receive. Who gets the spirit? Those who believe in Jesus. In fact, it's a wonderful cycle. The Holy Spirit gives us faith in Christ. And only by the spirit's working can we confess Jesus is Lord. So all believers receive the gift of the spirit. Now the reading from Acts 2, the story of the first Christian Pentecost. It wasn't the first Pentecost, you see, because this Jewish festival had been celebrated for 1,500 years. Again, the question, who gets the Holy Spirit? Well, at least the 12 apostles do. And it may have been that whole number of 120 believers But it's certainly Peter and the 11, because the crowd asks, we heard this in verse 7, are not all these speaking Galileans? And that describes the smaller number of disciples. Now, if you still wonder, if you're still curious about whether it was 12 or 10 times 12, I'll encourage you to do what my pastor used to tell me. Yes, my dad was my pastor. He would tell me this when I was 12 years old. That's a good question, son. Write that one down because you want to make sure that you don't, that you have it with you when Jesus comes back. So I would write it down, fold up the paper, stuff it in the pocket of my jeans, and my mom would fish it out of the washing machine several days later. But the punchline is really this. When Jesus returns in glory, We won't have any questions. Here's what happens on Pentecost in Jerusalem. The promise of Jesus is kept. You will be clothed with power from on high. That's what Jesus told the disciples before he ascended. Stay in the city. Wait for the gift. Who gets the spirit? The apostles do. And with that power from on high... They tell the mighty works of God. They proclaim that the Savior is Jesus. They proclaim that Jesus is the Savior. They declare that his cross and his open tomb 
have one salvation. Then Peter, quoting the prophet Joel, speaks this great and good news. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Eldad and Medad received the Holy Spirit along with 68 others. The 12 apostles received the Holy Spirit, and so did the 3,000 new believers baptized into Christ on that amazing Pentecost day. So who receives the Holy Spirit now? How about Brock James and Abigail Renee and Noah Matthew and Zane Anthony? I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, Peter preached, quoting Joel chapter 2. In holy baptism, yes, at three different fonts in three different Lutheran churches, these young disciples were called by name. They were washed and cleansed of sin, given new clothes, a new garment of Christ's righteousness. In holy baptism, Abby and Zane and Noah and Brock received the Holy Spirit, which means they can prophesy. That happened yesterday afternoon with those four smaller banners and with a series of visuals. They prophesied. They spoke the truth of God's word. And they will do so again this morning with their answers and their promises. Because that's what prophesying is and does. It's not predicting the future. It's speaking out the word of God. In Christ's church, prophesying announces that we are sinners, all of us, and that we should be punished. Prophesying says that we are beggars with empty hands, for we have nothing to offer to God. Then prophesying points to Jesus. It points to the cross. It points to the priest who became the sacrifice. It points to our Lord's triumphant cry, it is finished. It points to his grave and his victory over death. It's not a basketball cheer. It's the truth of God's gift to us, his work in us. We've got the Holy Spirit. Yes, we do. And in the Spirit's power, we join our confirmands in prophesying the good news that we are rescued by God's rich and undeserved and never-ending love, that the cross is the crossing, and that the great exchange has happened through Christ our Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.